Hey there, Ralph Garman here. Thanks so much for checking out this free edition of The Ralph Report. If you like what you hear, do me a favor. Subscribe to The Ralph Report so we can put some fun in your ears five days a week. And you can listen for as little as $3 a month. So subscribe today so you don't miss out on any of the fun. Go to patreon.com slash The Ralph Report and sign up. Welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Well, hello there, boys and girls. Welcome back to The Ralph Report. So happy to have you join us today. Really good, interesting show. A little different, maybe, than the average show. We'll talk about that in a minute. But welcome for a Thursday, June 6th. I am your old podcast pal, Ralph Garman. Sitting across from me here in the Batcave is the vice host himself, Mr. Eddie Pence. Hey, everybody. On today's show, it is Thursday. That means Ralph Sex University. We're going to fling open the doors of that esteemed institute of learning. Today's topic, mm. pretty interesting, I think. Really? Got an uh, email from a gentleman who is concerned about the size of his manhood and is considering penis enlargement. Oh. And so today we will get into the uh, various forms of penis enlargement that are out there. We'll evaluate them, which ones work, which ones don't. A brand new study actually just came out from a uh, sexual institute in the UK, and they looked at a lot of the different ones with varying results, varying success. So we'll get into whether you can make your dick bigger or not. It's always good to know. If that's something right? that interests you. It's good knowledge to have. I think so. Also, later on in the show today will be an interview with a friend of mine named Ben Glebe. And Ben is a very successful comedian. And you may know him as the host of Idiot Test, which ran, I think, on the Game Show Network initially. Uh, right? Yeah, I believe so. And then I think they went up to Netflix. It's on Netflix uh, now. You can see it. If he you originated like. Comedy Juice, which is a very long running com live comedy show at the Improv for years and years. Yeah, and years. he's a great stand up. He's been around forever. And he's also a very smart, very plugged in guy. And he is running for president of the United States of America. And so I thought he'd be interesting to talk to about that because initially when I first heard it, I thought, what a funny gag. What a great marketing tool. Yeah. And then I found out that it's for real. No, he's dead serious. So we'll talk to him later on in the show about that. And I know not everybody is into politics and... Uh, I certainly understand that. I know this show is sort of a goof, and we like to have a good time and laugh a lot and talk about stuff that doesn't really matter all that much. But the conversation I had with him, I think, is important enough that regardless of where you land on the political spectrum, you'll be interested to know what it's like for an average American to try to get into the conversation when it comes to governing our country. And if, if America is built on democratic values, which they tell us, it's the land of the people and the people decide how things get done and how things get run, then how hard is it for an average guy to get into that conversation? Yeah, like how true is it that anyone could become president? Right. Yeah. When, when the majority of the people on both sides of the aisle who uh, want that office are either super rich yeah. or career politicians, yeah. how can a regular guy get into the mix? Yeah. So we talk about that. So for that reason alone, I think the conversation is worth having. Do you want a regular guy to be able to stand next to these other people let's on a debate stage, for example, and share his ideas. Is that important to you or not? To get the, a, a different perspective, yeah. at least. So, I mean, usually when I do yeah. an interview, I'll break it up into pieces and uh, air 10 minutes or so throughout the week. 
But in my conversation with Ben, I was expecting it to go about 10, 15 minutes. Ended up being over 20. And I'm going to air it in its entirety so you can hear the whole conversation. But I understand that many people, especially because Ben leans left, so he may offend some sensibilities if you're a person that is more uh, right-leaning or if you're a Trump fan or whatever. I'm not judging. I'm just saying if you are going to get triggered by the conversation, maybe it's best you don't listen to it. Yeah. So what I'll do is I'll put it at the tail end of the show. I'll give you plenty of warning. So if you don't want to listen, if it's going to raise your blood pressure, then you can check out. But if you want to hear Ben and I talk about the state of politics in America and his his run for presidency in particular, then you can listen to yeah, the rest. So have fun and then bail out or keep listening. Right. So I'm just warning you, the show may run a little long today because we're going to do a regular show and then uh, Ben's interview will be put at the end. So with that in mind, let's get right to it, shall we? Love it when you guys reach out to us. When you either email us or uh, reach out on social media or when you leave your voicemails and you know you can do that 24 hours a day, seven days a week at the Ralph Report hotline. The phone number one eight three three. Hi, Ralph. God, it sounded like a drowning witch. <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> I'll get you, my pretty. Love it. Got some great calls today. I'm going to play them for you in a segment I call Garmy on the Line. The telephone is ringing. The is on the line. Ross gonna play your calls now. And see what's on your mind. Oh, speaking of being triggered, we were talking about uh, reboots, remakes, stuff that's returning to television. Yes. Uh, the most recent one we talked about yesterday was the return of Punky, Punky Brewster. Punky Brewster, yeah. And in the middle of that conversation, Eddie Pence, what of course, God damn it, what? triggered one of our listeners, oh. made them very upset. Of course I did. I hope you're happy with uh, yourself. I, I, I am. That's what I live for. Jesus Christ, Eddie, you had to mention Small Wonder. I swear to God, if they reboot that, I'm killing myself and blaming you in the note. <laughs> Love you, man. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if they bring back Small Wonder, that gentleman's going to take his own life, and that's, that's on that, you. The that blood's on my hands. It absolutely is. I put it out in the universe. It's my fault. And you know, now you've said it, someone's going to hear it and go, a robot girl. Remember how fun that was? She was a little robot. They put her in a suitcase. It was cute. Oh, that show. That was unfucking watchable Oh, it was bad. It was bad. But I still watched it. Why? I don't know. I watched Mama's Family, too. I don't know why. I just did. Well, even that, I mean, that's we had a, three a traditional family sitcom. I didn't think it was very funny, but I could understand why it might catch your interest. But like a bad acting robot <laughs> girl was... with a fake panel on the back when they would fix her and stuff. It, it was, was awful. Th there was three channels. What, like You had to watch what was on. Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> Yesterday was also TV Tunes Tuesday. Remember Connor called in requesting the Power Rangers theme song? Yeah. Oh, so it wasn't yesterday. That was Tuesday. Two days ago. Two days ago. Uh, Connor requested the Power Rangers theme song and told us in his phone call that when he runs across Power Rangers stories randomly on Facebook, it brings back such strong childhood memories yeah. for him that he breaks down into tears. Do you remember mess. that? Yes. Yeah. Well, it turns out we, we triggered Connor, too, <laughs> in, in another way. Hey, Ralph. Connor from Duncan, British Columbia here. And uh, as soon as I heard you guys started talking about the Power Rangers... I immediately paused my video game and just like shut everything off and listened. And as soon as I heard my voice come on, yes, 
I did immediately break into tears and I started laughing and oh my god I'm so excited thank you for making my week love you mean it fuck wow well I don't think I've ever made anyone as happy about anything than we made Connor by playing that theme song. He sounded genuinely happy. He was thrilled. Thrilled. Yes. And if that's what this show can do, then that's great. For as little as 15 cents a day, <laughs> I can give you those kind of thrills. And speaking of thrills, whole different kind of thrill went out to these listeners. Hey, Ralph. So my husband and I usually listen to the Ralph Report before going to sleep because it's really the only time we can listen to it together. So that's usually like our bedtime sounds. Um, however, after during Tuesday's episode, uh, the Ralph Report became something a little more risque, if you will. Your podcast became our sex music. And let me tell you something, Ralph. It was probably some of the best sex we've ever had. <laughs> so... Thanks for helping out. <laughs> Love you. Mean it. Bye. You're welcome. Glad I could help. That's my first foursome. I've never been in a foursome before. I can't imagine <laughs> having sex while this show was on in the background. I can't imagine how that could be good for anybody. Uh, I guess it can make you last longer, maybe. I suppose. You get distracted. <laughs> Unless they're like Connor and the Power Rangers really... <laughs> does it for him i can't really see that happening wow. but i'm happy to be included thanks so much that's nuts uh, hey, listen if you're a four-star general i'll come to the house and i'll <laughs> new part new uh level five-star yeah, general maybe a five-star i will come to the house <laughs> and i will just talk about random shit while you're boning how about that i'll sit by the bed and i'll tell you about today's date in history and you know i'll, I'll watch perfect but i'll just keep going and then you guys can let me know 30 when bucks a month enough. i'll be your live sex music <laughs> man tanya called in as well i think we owe her an apology she is demanding uh repercussions not repercussions what do you call it um reparations reparations yes she's demanding reparations for the damage that we've done to oh, her no. hey ralph this is tanya from phoenix arizona um i just am calling to say i'm going to be sending you my therapy bill for playing that god awful, horrible fucking Mr. T mother song. Oh, that sounds really bad. Anyway, it's the most god awful thing I think I've ever heard, and I I need therapy. It's it's bad. Yeah. Love you, mean it. Bye. Sorry about that, Tanya. But <laughs> it had to be brought to light. It had to be exposed. It's if you don't learn from history, you will repeat. History. Exactly, you're doomed to repeat it. This all came about because we were talking about the Arnold Schwarzenegger rap, mm -hmm. which was awful. And then we played the Hulk Hogan rap. Mm -hmm. And then we got to Mr. T with Treat Your Mother Right. Mother, like no other. I love her. She's my mother. M is for the moans that you made when I was bones. Bones. So, um, <laughs> yes, Tanya, I agree. It's not great. But again, you have to you have to shine light on these things or else they they fester, they grow. Yeah. And with that in mind, Vic called in. Hey Ralph, this is Vic from Huntington Park, California. Uh, on the topic of celebrities who shouldn't be rapping in Six Degrees of Separation to Hulk Hogan, in 2003, Macho Man Randy Savage dropped a diss track on Hulk Hogan called Be a Man. Look it up. 
Best thing, Vic? Best thing? Best thing. Are you familiar with uh, with uh, Macho Man yeah. Randy Savage's they a, they album? A, they had a legitimate beef. And yeah. his diss track yeah. <laughs> that he rapped, directed at Hulk Hogan. Yes. Are you familiar with I this? I am familiar with it, yes. I was not familiar with this, as you can imagine. <laughs> not being a wrestling aficionado, this was not something that was on my radar. It's and glorious. I was blessed. It's glorious. Tanya, if you think you're angry at us over Mr. T, <laughs> wait till you hear macho man Randy Savage calling out Hulk Hogan in Be a Man. Huh. Hulk Hogan, Hollywood officer, whatever they call you, I'm coming after you, you coward. I think it is. Come on. Mega Powers exploded back in 87, 88. Yeah, it was huge. huge. That, that came out way later. That came but, out 2003. Well, yeah, they beefed for a while. But, Obviously. Yeah, for what, for 20 years? Well, it was on and off. But yeah, they never really liked each other. <sighs> What's going on? <laughs> that, hey, that's the best produced one of all of them. And I got to tell you, he's not a bad rapper. He no. actually has some flow in there. But he's the, that's the best of all of them. We're going to kick your butt and wash your mouth out with soap. <laughs> he rhymed button soap. Stop it. <laughs> wrestling it's awesome it's not it's the best thanks so much for everybody who called in you too can be featured on garmy on the line here at the ralph report but you know what you got to do you got to call me call me i'm ralph it's the number everyone's talking about call me right now at one eight three three hi ralph All right, now it's time for us to look back in the rearview mirror to go through the annals of history and find out what important things happened on this day, June 6th, with This Day in History. This day oh, yeah. in history. That's one small step for man. This day. Tear down this wall. This day in history. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles. Cooperman did a little edit on he his, did, I uh, heard. On his, his intro. <laughs> we lost the president. Some people were uh, barking about <laughs> listening to the president every day. Well, four days a week at least. And so he said, well, I, I'll fix it then. And then he, he Well, it was it. interesting to hear one president say, tear down this wall. And then had the, another president some odd years later say, build a wall. I see what you're saying. It's interesting. However. But I see where it makes people upset. It, yeah. it created passions in people that... that I think maybe aren't necessarily oh, no, what it. we're shooting it, yeah. for no, on a you. daily basis. I get it. It's just from a historical perspective, it's interesting. I hear you. All right. Let's take a look on this day, June 6th, throughout history. On this day in 1844, a man named George Williams in London, England, formed one of the most legendary men associations ever. Little did he know back in 1844 when he created it, that it would become the icon it is today 
George created the Young Men's Christian Association, which, of course, you know as... I didn't know that it was the Young Men's Christian Association. Yeah, I knew that. Doesn't seem very. Uh, I don't think they really call it. They don't really religious based to me these days. No, they sort of did away with the actual name and just called it the yeah. YMCA. Now or I the think Y. C stands for something else. I think in that Village sure. People song, <laughs> the Young Men's Cock, Cock. Association. <laughs> That's what I'm guessing. I wonder how George would feel about probably not the like reputation it. that the YMC has <laughs> the, since that song. <laughs> Probably not so much. The, the one, the the one song his company is known for yes. is is a bunch of guys <laughs> dressed up as leathermen and cowboys and construction <laughs> workers. Talk about how much fun you can have in the sauna at the YMCA. That's why he made it. In 1882, on this day, Henry W. Seely out of New York City received his patent for the electric clothes iron. Oh, I was gonna say mattress. No, Sealy, that makes sense, yeah, right? No, he invented the electric clothes iron. Up until then, Eddie, yeah. you used to take the iron, which, by the way, was called an iron because it was made out of iron. Makes sense. And you'd put it in the fire. Oh, you just heat it up. You heat it up, heat up flames. that metal, and then you pull it out and you just run it over your clothing. Seems dangerous. Uh, I'm sure there was a lot of, <laughs> Seems really dangerous. A lot of inadvertent flames. Seems like clothes got burned Resulted quite a bit. by that. But the electric iron not only was used to press clothes and remove creases, but did you know a side benefit of having the electric iron in the 1800s what? was it helped prevent the spread of infectious diseases. How so? Because the severe heat of the iron when you ran it over your clothing would kill viruses and bacteria. Oh. Because you probably that? couldn't wash in hot water a all the time. A lot of people didn't wash their clothes. They just, they, they you know, left them out for a long time and kept wearing them. And right. if they wanted it to be pressed and look a little bit neat, You'd run an iron over it, and it would kill the germs. How about that? How about that, indeed? In 1914, on June 6th, the very first flight out of sight of land was flown. That's horrifying. I thought about that when oh, I read this fact. That is horrifying. It was a flight from Scotland to Norway, and it was the first time anyone had been in an airplane and got to a point of no return where they couldn't see land anymore. Oh, my God. And they had to keep That's going forward horrifying. to see land again in order to uh, touch down. And just hope you're on the right path. Can you imagine being on this new in this newfangled machine, flying through the air, and then you realize at some point, I can no longer see dry land. It's all just oh, ocean under me It's now. terrifying nowadays when you're on a plane and you're over the ocean and you can't see land anywhere. And you're like, oh, my God, what if they don't know where they're going? That's some balls. <laughs> it's this guy. Biggest balls ever. Yeah, so. <laughs> he doesn't say who he was, by the way. He just says the first air flight out of sight of land was was flown. Wow. So he didn't get named. That guy should. His he name should be should named. Be, if, if, if Henry Seeley invented a fucking iron <laughs> and we're talking about him, I'd love to know who was behind the stick of the plane out there in the middle of the ocean. That was a guy, I guess it was either brave or suicidal. In 1925, a gentleman named Walter Chrysler decided he wanted to get into the automobile business and he started the Chrysler Corporation. 1925. You ever own a Chrysler, Eddie? No. Oh, you're missing out. Is it good? Yeah. I never had a Chrysler. When I was a teen, I had a, I drove a Chrysler oh, for a nice. while. I drove a LeBaron. Ooh. Yeah. It was like fancy. my aunts. It was like, no, it was a hand-me-down, was hand-me-down, it the, hand Was it the bench seat? Or you yeah, a, bench seat. Yeah. Bench seat in the front. Very useful, by the way, as a teenager to have a bench seat it in is. the front seat. It is. But you have to move everybody up or back at the same time. I wasn't worried about the comfort of the passengers <laughs> in the back. I was worried about me and my gal parked out there in Pennypack Park. Oh, what a great name. Yeah. Sparking at the park. Penny pack. And of course, I, you know what I never owned, which I always wanted, was the legendary Chrysler Cordoba. 
because when I was a kid, Ricardo Montalban used to do commercials for the Chrysler Cordoba. Oh, yeah. And he would talk about the rich Corinthian leather of the interior. Oh, the Chrysler Cordoba. It comes with rich Corinthian leather. And I didn't know what that was, but I said, oh, I want some of that. It sounds so good coming out of his mouth. A lot of Ricardo Montalban talk this week. It is. Cordoba. To drive it is to experience the pleasure of a truly roadworthy automobile in the Chrysler tradition of luxury. Yes, even rich Corinthian leather. Yes. Corinthian. Yes, rich Corinthian leather. Yes. In 1933, speaking of cars... The very first drive-in theater opened on June 6th. Oh, really? The very first one. I love it. That's where I first saw Raiders of the Lost Ark in a drive-in theater. That's the ideal situation to yeah. see a movie in. Yeah. In a car Ugh. with a speaker on your window. Not a good place to no. see a movie, really. Camden, New Jersey was the very first oh. drive-in theater. I would have thought it would have been somewhere... California, uh, I would think. Somewhere um, here. Yeah, or even Midwest, where yeah, the Midwest. weather was a little bit better. Yeah. But now we know why they opened it in June. It's the only time you could yeah. use it was in the summer. 1933. There was one in Philadelphia when I was growing up, up on Route 1 near Langhorne, Pennsylvania, right outside Philadelphia. Was a, a drive-in for many years, but then drive-ins fell out of favor, and I they think did. they had a harder, harder time trying to uh, make ends meet up there. The Lincoln Drive-In, it was called, and they went from being a mainstream theater to an X-rated drive-in. X-rated drive-in? Yes. And was it positioned properly, or could you it was, just get it, it, The screen view? was positioned away from the road <laughs> why would you go to a, that's so gross <laughs> so you would drive to the Everybody x-rated movie just wanking it in their car or bringing a date maybe <laughs> i guess but there was a there was a hilton next well, door and certain rooms if you, you could got see a hilton, it you could look out your window oh, and you could watch free porn, porn out the window that's funny and we try to sneak in through the bush the bushes on the other side of the theater, no pun intended, no pun intended, and and wriggle through, and then try to sit there in the bushes and watch. I can't believe it. Or we'd pile a bunch of guys in the trunk and try to sneak in. Yeah, a bunch of dudes watching porn. Yeah, it's fun. It's a it's a, it's a community. <laughs> I know, I know. We it's all a communal did it. We've event. All done, we've all done it. In 1944, on this day, June 6th, Operation D Day commenced. Wow, that thing, Operation Overlord, it was known, but D Day. When they landed in Europe, the Allied forces finally touched land in Europe, and it was a brutal, brutal event. So many men lost their lives. Just that opening there scene on Omaha Beach, Saving Private Ryan, is hard to watch. Yeah. And if it was anything remotely close to that, yeah. I can't even imagine the nightmare that must have been. Uh, German defenses were unexpectedly strong there in France, and uh, when they land landed on those beaches man there was just a bad bad scene but it, it, nevertheless the uh, the allies secured a foothold on all the beaches and they later got into normandy and um, fight fought the nazis right there in europe and it was it was remarkable truly the greatest generation i know that's flown, thrown around quite a bit but it's remarkable that those men those young men saved the world from domination they really did it's crazy really did uh, in, a, in an equally strong move from a, a young man in 1946, Henry Morgan was the first performer to take his shirt off on television. Oh, okay. Salute to him. Another yeah, brave, brave American. Breaking down walls. Yes. He took his shirt off on television. <laughs> Saw man nipples. And the USA was aghast. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my God. A man. He has no skin shirt. under his shirt. However, <laughs> we will recover. Something we've all seen. In 19, it's amazing what people get upset about, Fucking isn't it? Ridiculous. In 1960, legendary rock and roller Roy Orbison released one of his most uh, successful and important songs, "Only the Lonely." Only the lonely. Know the way I feel tonight. 
this feeling ain't right. I love me some Roy Orbison. Good. 1968, Senator Robert F. Kennedy died from his wounds after he was assassinated the previous night here in Los Angeles. He was the uh, Democratic nominee for president in 1968, and he was shot by an assassin. You remember the assassin's name? Does he ring I don't him? remember the name. Sirhan Sirhan was Sirhan his name. Sirhan Sirhan. And he uh, shot President, excuse me, Senator Kennedy at the uh, Ambassador Hotel here in Los Angeles. Yeah. And the next day, Robert F. Kennedy passed away from his wounds. It was a sad moment in American history, as was in 1991 on this date, June 6th, when Dana Plato from Different Strokes received her six-year suspended sentence for robbing a video store. I remember that. <laughs> I remember the mighty that. had fallen oh. when little Dana Plato... Willis's sister got arrested for robbing a video, a video store. store, like a blockbuster, not even a bank, no, or a liquor store. Look like, at like what a hundred bucks in there, man! My God, she's stealing popcorn. <laughs> what a nightmare! Speaking of money, in 2018, on this date, a French man won France's one million dollar lottery for the second time in two years. That sounds fishy. He won a million dollars twice in the span of two years. Just a random lottery. Yes. Just numbers, pick numbers. Yes. That's that's weird. Mathematicians say the odds of that are one in sixteen trillion of that ever happening. I would make it almost impossible. I can't imagine that. This happening. is why people play the lottery. Yeah. Stories like this that keep you believing. And also in twenty eighteen on this date, in China they introduced a special pedestrian lane. So all the walkways in this town in China called Xi'an has a special lane for people. Can you imagine what kind of people they had to create a lane for? How slow they had to be. They're called fubbers in China. Fubbers? Yes. P-H-U-B-B-E-R-S. <laughs> and they are slow-walking <laughs> smartphone users. People with their heads down just looking at their phone while they walk. And they they just, had to create a special lane wow. for them on the sidewalk because they were clogging up foot traffic so That's much. That's nuts. Don't don't enable don't, those no. people. Oh man, we're we're just we're we're yeah. circling the bowl. You're getting special really lanes are. for fubbers now. We're circling the bowl. And you know, I still love to hear about Eddie Pence's eating habits, so I find now in history a special moment that is food related and I will introduce it and we'll find what find out whether Eddie Pence eats this thing or not okay this one takes place in 1916 eddie okay on this date june 6th craft and brothers company received a patent for the process of sterilizing cheese and an improved <laughs> product produced by such process that was the total name of the patent but what it was was an invention of processed cheese mm. that's right processed cheese boys and girls is not a hundred percent cheese now usually it Hovers around 50% cheese. cheese. <laughs> the rest is, well, other stuff. It's cut with either salt or food dyes or preservatives or extra dairy or emulsifiers or other artificial ingredients. But without processed cheese, we wouldn't have Velveeta. Mm -mm. We wouldn't have that spray cheese in a can that you can put on crackers. Mm -mm. We wouldn't have those delicious American cheese singles individually no. wrapped. The bright yellow. Macaroni and cheese. <laughs> so much would not be available to us without the processed cheese patent that Kraft got in 1916. It's called cheese food, right? It's called like cheese food. Yeah, That's cheese right. Food. Processed cheese food. <laughs> it is cheese related. It's That's in the cheese family. All white, all white meat chicken. <laughs> Now, is this something Eddie Pence loves to eat? Because I got to tell you, me, I'm a big fan of processed cheese. I've been known to turn one of those cans upside down 
Oh, and just, press that nozzle and just empty its contents sh- into my mouth. Cheese whiz. Who needs a cracker? Who and cheese whiz? Let's not forget cheese whiz, an integral part of the cheesesteak experience oh, in Philadelphia absolutely. as well. Slap some whiz on there. But is is Eddie Pence? Is he going to cry? It's too orange or some other <laughs> such nonsense. Let's find out by pulling the handle of the padded Eddie Pence jackpot slot machine. Eddie Pence <laughs> likes processed cheese food. I do. I do. What are the odds of that being a thing? Well, I grew up on Kraft Mac and Cheese, so. <laughs> so you like emulsifiers and... I didn't think about what was in it. Whatever else is in that, and you're so pissy about it. I am usually pissy, but I was I was a kid. I, swear I, I mean, I was a latchkey kid, so I had to come home and make something. And you're still eating it to this day. Yeah. What I was that I thing you tweeted the other day that uh, you weren't eating at the table, you and your oh, wife were we dining went to a at? Thai, that delicious. went to a Thai restaurant. Was that soup? Was that mushroom some soup Some sort of something? soup. It had chunks of mushroom and chicken mm. in it, and it was some sort of yellowy liquid. It looked like cat vomit. Oh, stop it. That looked like good eating. You I, didn't even try it? I had chicken fried rice. Of course you did. <laughs> because you're eight. I know. That's it for today's Day in History. This day in history. That's one small step for man. This day. Tear down this wall. This day in history. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles. All right, now it's time to take a look at all the entertainment news in a segment I call the Showbiz Beat. Well, now we know who the next victim of Comedy Central's next roast will be. Alec Baldwin, it has been announced yesterday, will be the recipient of all that love from all those people who get up there on stage. They haven't done him before? Cut him down. They've never done I for sure they Alec done Baldwin. Is it a good idea? To mock the guy who's famous for punching people he gets into Probably altercations not. with. He's got a temper. Someone's going to get hit, I right? I think. At least to make it interesting, to make it watchable at least. Alec Baldwin said when he heard about the honor, getting roasted will be the greatest honor of my lifetime. Besides being a father, a husband, hosting Saturday Night Live 17 times, receiving Golden Globes, <laughs> Emmys, and working with Martin Scorsese, he said. So, <laughs> right under those. Right under those, though. Right after those. Alec Baldwin has done so many great things, said Comedy Central. It will be a unique treat to spend a night focusing on everything he'd rather forget. So uh, they don't know exactly when it's going to film, but it'll take place later this year. I don't really watch those. You don't? I like the old. I like the old Dean Martin roast because yeah, that was a group. That was a group of friends busting each other's balls yeah. in front of an audience. These are just comics and writers and other actors. Yeah, some, sometimes they have no relation. They have no to relation the to whatsoever. Them. So it's not the same. Like I don't, I don't like watching them. I and like, they're really mean spirited. A lot of them. A lot as of well. them are because they don't know each other. Yeah, it's not like watching Sammy Davis Jr. bust Dean Martin's balls. When they had uh, Kellyanne Conway on, no, it was uh, Ann Coulter. They Ann had Coulter. one show and she bombed. I was yeah. like, why are they even having her That's, on? None of these people like each other. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Sammy Davis Jr., it's just been announced that they're going to make a mini series about his life. Really? Yes. We've talked about his life and oh, how that's interesting right. that's it was right. Yeah, yeah, the, the uh, wife, they had the divorce. He was almost killed because of his girlfriend. That's, he was dating a white marry, actress. Yeah, he couldn't he was, marry her. He was almost maimed because of it. Anyway, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, Lee Daniels, of course, from Empire and other uh, successful projects, he will be heading it up, but he'll be in partnership with Tom Hanks and his production company, Playtone. Playtone. And they do good work. Um, yeah, anyway, Sammy's life, I think, is fascinating. Not only the barriers he broke in terms of race relations in the United States. He was the first black entertainer that was accepted in a lot of venues where blacks couldn't play, yeah. largely through his friendship with Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and those guys. But um, 
Still got your foot in the door, and that changed a lot. Absolutely. And I think the hardest part of this project will be casting, because this guy was enormously talented. He was a quadruple threat. He could act, sing, dance, play almost every instrument yeah. known to man. He was the ultimate entertainer. How do three, you find... Three feet tall, too. Yeah, he was tiny. So yes, he was like a little person. person. So we'll see who Manuel Lewis, it's up to you. Oh, my God. Is he still around? Is Emmanuel still alive? Manuel's I think still so. Alive. Yeah, yeah. We, did, we did that before. Right, Gary's gone. Yeah, right? Gary's Gary gone. Gary Coleman's gone. Manuel Lewis is still around. <laughs> right now, it seems like it's all about biopics. It's all about making movies about other famous people, largely based on the success of Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah. which was made a billion dollars and was an enormous success. Won awards and such. And then Rocket Man, of course. Uh, I just read an interesting article. There are 14 different music biopics in the works right now. That's a little bit. I'm going to read you the list, and you tell me whether you'd be interested in seeing these movies or (laughs) not, right? Uh, Starting with Amy Winehouse, The Life of Amy Winehouse. Uh, I'd be I don't know if I'm... Theatrically, I don't know. Maybe something on TV or Netflix. You wouldn't watch a movie about Amy Winehouse? I don't know. I would watch the movie. I don't know if I'd pay $18 to go to a movie to watch it. I think uh, her life is fascinating. I think it's, it's fascinating tragic, too. but it's, it's fascinating. fascinating. But it's something I'd watch at home. How about uh, Aretha Franklin? Yes. Respect is the name of the film. Aretha chose handpicked Jennifer Hudson to portray her on film, and so she will be starring in it. She's that'd an Oscar-winning actress. Yeah, I think that'd herself. be good. I think that'll be good, too. How about Bob Marley? Yes. Bob Marley's son, Ziggy, is currently producing a film based on his father's life with Paramount Pictures. That'd be interesting. That. He passed away of cancer at 36, yeah, by the way. To have that legacy at that young of an age. What a life cut short. Boy George, we talked about. They're making a movie about his life. Eh, unless it's about that dude running naked down I the want the, I want the male prostitute <laughs> chained to the wall. That's all I care about. If they don't have that scene, I'm going to turn some shit over in that theater. <laughs> Carol King. They're going to make a Broadway, uh, they're going to make a movie, rather, based on the Tony-winning Broadway musical Beautiful about her life. Which I saw, by the way, here in Los Angeles at the Pantages Theater. Is it good? It's an amazing musical. And I think it's going to make a great film. It'll translate well. You forget how many hit songs Carole King had a hand in writing, by the way. If you, even if you discount her breakthrough album, Tapestry, which was one of the most important albums of the 70s. She was writing songs along with her partner, um, Jerry Goffin. When she was 16 years old, oh she God. started writing songs. Wow. Uh, the Locomotion, and like all these sort of uh, pop hits, Do We Used to Love Me Tomorrow, all these girl group songs. It's it's really kind of a cool story to see how she grows and changes in this film. So, yes, absolutely. And this one I will not be on board with. It's called The Power of Love, and it's the story of Celine Dion. Oh, that was Huey Lewis. Oh, no, sadly. That, I, I would watch I'd that. that. I'd check that one out. No, this is about uh, Celine Dion and her life and and Canada and mm, her, no. cre- her creepy older I'm manager slash husband. I don't need to see, need to see that happening. I'm not going to see any film. of that. There's a new Elvis movie in the works. Is it about the colonel more? Uh, he will be involved. In fact, we mentioned that Tom Hanks was in talks to oh, play the role. Right. That's right. That's right. Of Colonel Tom Parker. But no, it's uh, it's Elvis's life story. And I'm... I've seen it a lot. Boy, we've seen it. Like, we've it, seen it so many times. Unless you do a different take on it. That's why if you follow the colonel around, that could be interesting. But. Yeah. And if also you include the creepy stuff about Elvis. They never show him making teenage girls wrestle in their underwear. Yeah, or, like, let's go like, dark on yeah, it. Yeah, let's, let's, get, see, let's, let's see, see some dark. Let's, let's see him fucking shitting and have a heart attack. Maybe not that. No, I want to see maybe, it. I want to see it. I don't know if... <laughs> that's the scene I, I need incorporated. I want that to be the, in, the closed credits. <laughs> Helen Reddy, I Am Woman, a biopic about Helen Reddy. Hmm. I Am Woman, Hear Me Roar. Hmm. I know that song. <laughs> it's going to be a short film. I love her entire song. Uh, yes, both both of them. <laughs> John Lennon and Yoko Ono. Really? Again, seen it. 
yeah. a lot unless you can do a way different take on it. First of all, get on the Jimmy Nickel movie about the, the drummer who was the Beatle for two weeks yes. and a little less of John and Yoko, okay? Leonard Bernstein, legendary composer and uh, conductor Leonard Bernstein. Mm. Bradley Cooper's doing it. Okay. Hard pass. Yeah. Madonna. A movie called Blonde Ambition about the story of Madonna. But everyone knows the story. She lived her entire life in, the in front of a camera. Nothing happened in her life that wasn't overly documented. Yes, like what could you tell us? There's no secret side of Madonna you're going to reveal to us. No. What? That she fucked Dennis Rodman? Yeah, we know. Ugh. We know. <laughs> she ducked, what, fucked Warren Beatty? Yes, we know. Charles Barkley too, right? I, that's what I've heard. I've yeah. heard that one. Yeah. <laughs> and then lastly, Teddy Pendergrass. This could be a cool story. He started off as a member of Harold Melvin and the Blue Knights, great R&B singer, and then became a uh, wildly successful solo artist. Um, then paralyzed in a car crash in 1982, left him paralyzed, but he kept going, and wow. he kept making personal appearances and performances. That could so, be an interesting story. Yeah. Lee Daniels also involved in that one. So there you go. There's your list of uh, upcoming biopics like about 50, famous 50, musicians. 50-50. I'm already fatigued of this genre. <laughs> Let's take a look at today's celebrity birthdays. All these stars born on this day, June 6th. Singer Uncle Cracker is 45 years old today. Uncle, Uncle Cracker, Cracker. What did he sing? He uh, had his biggest hit, which was a remake, actually, note for note, of a song called Drift Away by an artist named Dobie Gray. This guy, uh, Uncle Cracker, used to work, I think, with Kid Rock quite a bit. Anyway, oh. I like this song. Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I want to get lost in your rock and roll and drift. Away. Actor Robert Englund, Freddy Krueger himself, is 72 years old. Actress, comedian, Sandra Bernhardt is 64 years old. She bucks. I really got a problem with Sandra Bernhardt. <laughs> She's got the she can she has one of those faces you could just like uh, I don't know what to see. However, again. now that I think about it, she was really good in King of Comedy, the Martin Scorsese. She show. was good in that. Uh, she was super uh, annoying in uh, Hudson Hawk. <laughs> If you remember that movie. Uh, it's been a long time. Like, since you I've really seen hated her. Yeah. Well, you really hated her, and that's what she that's wanted. That's on brand. <laughs> Playwright actor Harvey Firestein. Harvey Firestein. He is 67 years old today. What a voice, right? What a beautiful yeah. voice. I can listen to him Smooth. talk all day. Silky. I mean, at very least, I'm the guy with the voice. You know, then hopefully I'm the guy who's really funny with the voice, and then the guy who can not only do comedy but can do tragedy as well with the voice. It hurts to listen to him. It really does. I, 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 you can't even do a, an impression of him. Oh, if you did, you would be at five minutes and you're done. <laughs> You'd have a trach. Oh. Colin Quinn, speaking of voices, Colin Quinn is 60 years old today. Actress Amanda Pays is also 60. Singer bassist Tom Araya of Slayer. Enough yeah. with the fucking Slayer. <laughs> He is 58 years old today. Oh, beautiful. It's lovely, lovely music. They wail, dude. Apologies to the couple that's trying to have sex with oh, this show in the you background. you kidding? That's climax music. Oh, my God. <laughs> Actor Jason Isaacs from the Harry Potter films is 56 years old. Actor Max Casella, who played Doogie Howser, MD's best buddy on that show. And he's uh, still a very successful actor. He was recently on Ray Donovan. Had a great role on oh, that. He, he was, was great terrific. in Ed Wood, too. He's great in everything. Yeah. 52 years old today. Guitarist James Monkey Schaefer of Corn celebrates his 49th birthday. Feeling like a freak on a leash. 
Actor Paul Giamatti is 52 years old today. Do you watch Billions? I don't. Over on Showtime? I, don't. I heard it's great. God I don't have Showtime. Damn, I love that show. It's got uh, Damian Lewis is the is the lead, the, the good-looking Irish guy who's the lead on that, and then Paul Giamatti as his at-one-time adversary. Now they're like buddies teaming up with each other this season. It's just such great acting and such great writing. One of my favorite shows on television. And singer-songwriter Gary U.S. Bonds is 80 years old today. Gary was one of the early crossover artists between rock and roll and R&B back in the late 50s, early 60s. Had a couple big hits and then really fell on some hard times, kind of disappeared for a while. Here's a, a song he's probably known best for from the early 60s called Quarter to Three. I don't know that I And in the 80s, when it became known that he was sort of uh, struggling, one of his biggest fans, a guy named Bruce Springsteen, reached out to him oh, really? and wrote a song for him and produced a brand new album. And he had a huge resurgence in the 80s, thanks to Springsteen. That's nice. And this was the hit that came off that album. That's it for today's Celebrity Birthdays. I'm Ralph Garman. I walk the showbiz beat. And because it is Thursday, that means it's time for us to learn a little something about human sexuality at Ralph Sex University. You don't know what to do. There's one man to help you through. He's a graduate of sex. As I mentioned at the top of the show, today's topic came to me via email from a member of the Garmy who writes, although no woman in my life has ever mentioned it, I've always been insecure about the size of my penis. I am currently thinking about taking some steps to try to increase my size and feel better about it. Do any penis enlargement methods really work? And then he asked not to have his real name included. He said, you can call me Willie. <laughs> See what he did there? Well, Willie. <laughs> Here's the bad news. According to a new study published in the Journal of Sexual Medicine Reviews, no, none of these techniques actually really help you with get a, get a larger penis. What? Why don't they? Well, because the technology doesn't exist. Eddie, right. And because so many men are insecure about this, it has created an entire industry of charlatans and pseudoscience that bilks men to the tune of multi-million dollars each and every year. Are they surgical procedures or are they like... Well, we're going to go through take... all the options. Okay. Okay. Uh, most people who consider penis enlargement treatments, by the way, have normal-sized penises, meaning they are completely adequate size for sexual activity and for urination, and yet it is still a common source of anxiety for millions and millions of men. So it has fueled this multi-million dollar penis enlargement male enhancement industry that is basically hogwash, yeah, porn's, bullshit. Porn's not real. Yeah, porn has uh, done a, <laughs> done a guys, number on guys' heads. Those guys are not like... Uh, marketers claim that extenders and vacuum devices and pills and lotions and all these things can increase penis size, and they have found in this study that majority of them, at best, are ineffective. Many of them are risky, and some of them leave the patients with 
permanent mental and physical damage. King's College Institute in London tracked 21 different types of procedures, surgical and non-surgical, that were performed on over 1,100 men in the UK and abroad. And the results were not encouraging. Treatment overall, the outcomes were poor, low satisfaction rates, and more importantly, significant risks of major complications, including penile deformity, shortening, and erectile dysfunction. So let's look at all the various penis enlargement methods, and I will tell you why each and every one of them is bullshit. First of all, pills and lotions. There are so many pills and creams that are out there on the market that claim to increase penis size. Uh, they, They contain various vitamins or minerals or herbs or hormones. There is no scientific evidence that any of these affect the size of the penis. Here's the thing that was said by a professor in the University of Sheffield. He said, if there was such a chemical, if there was a pill or a lotion that actually made your penis larger, everybody would know about it. And do you think Big Pharma would let that be sold in gas stations when you go to check out sitting there on the rack? Or do you think they would buy up the formula for that and be selling it at $25 a pill? They'd be making a fortune. Exactly. So if you see it in the back of a magazine, if you see it at your local (laughs) convenience store, no, nothing you can rub on your penis or a pill that you take will make your penis any larger. Sorry. Not for $2. Traction devices. How about these? This is what this is how you use one of them. You, so, uh, so it's pulling. Yeah, you take a weight, Eddie. Oh, okay. you take a weight I'm that's out. attached I'm to a out. small frame Ugh. that wraps around the flaccid penis, Ooh. and then you stretch the penis Mm-mm. by wearing it. Mm-mm. Wait for it. Depends on how long you want it, Eddie. Mm. Four to six hours a day. Who's walking around? Who's who can walk naked around four to six hours a day? You don't have to be naked. You don't have to be naked. No, you device? can strap it on and then slide that weight down one of your pant legs. Oh, just stretch God. it for some up to nine hours a day. And they say they've found that <laughs> my the, the visual in my head is so different than the actual thing. In some cases, it has <laughs> lengthened penis by three. Excuse me, one to three centimeters. But wait for it. Here's the best part. It only lengthens the flaccid penis yeah when you get erect all that additional length actually uh is negated yeah. by the by the penis Makes getting you show or not with a grower. <laughs> yes so if you want to walk around the gym a little bit longer <laughs> in the locker room then you can put on a traction device and a heavy weight that will stretch your but penis. don't put it on your balls vacuum devices this of course is a tube that fits over the penis and then you pump out the air inside that tube it creates a vacuum and that draws the blood into the penis causing it to swell Now, some people use this for erectile dysfunction, and it has been also sold as an enlargement device claiming that the more blood you force into the penis, the more it'll expand that penis and make it grow and be larger. Can't that damage it? Of course it can, yes. It seems like it could damage it. It doesn't, first of all, increase your penis size because it's a finite space. You can't, you, you you would burst the cells if they got too full like of blood a, more than stretched them. It's like a sponge. You only put so much water into that sponge. And you can absolutely damage the tissue yeah. by over over vacuum pumping oof, yourself. Oof. All right. Now, you mentioned surgery. Let's talk about this. There are two main types of penis enlargement surgery. One involves injecting fat cells into the penis nope. to increase girth <laughs> or width as well as length. And uh, this is very dangerous because... Really? Why? Well, because you're performing a surgical procedure on your penis. (laughs) Injecting shit into your penis? Side effects may include swelling and distortion of the penis. If the side effect is severe enough, say doctors, the penis may require removal. 
So how's that for penis enlargement? Oh, that would be the opposite that would of be what penis disappearance you want. Um, mm, and mm, people mm. take advantage of this all the time. There's a Park Avenue plastic surgeon known as Dr. Penis in New York. <laughs> Is that his license plate? Who <laughs> will give you uh, non-surgical fat injections into your penis. He claims he can increase your girth, which is the circumference around the penis, ladies, by two inches, and it'll cost you the low, low price of $25,000. Are you serious? Here's the problem, Eddie. Once you put the fat into the penis, often it is absorbed right back into the body. It breaks down and gets absorbed back into the body. So the actual impact of putting that fat in there within a year often disappears 20 to 80% of it gets dissipated. And so you have to have multiple procedures to achieve the desired effect. Mm. And then, of course, there's the people in Papua New Guinea where these sort of injections have reached epidemic proportions. For some reason, people in New Guinea are really concerned about the size of their penis. And doctors say hundreds of men each year have to go into the hospital because of botched procedures. Oh, there's uh, the incidents of lumps and deformities, abscesses, Oh, um, ulcers, oh. penises bursting open. No, like a hot dog in a microwave. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. None of that is good. No. There's a man named Jack Chapman, a 28-year-old Australian who was living in Seattle. He died from fatal bleeding as a result of injecting silicone into his genitals. <sighs> and another man last March, a billionaire turned trader, um, was receiving enlargement injections as well, which turned infected and septic, and he died. Oh, it was fatal. Fuck, man. Now, the second side of kind of surgery. Do you familiar with this one? The uh, suspensory ligament release? Oh, it's where they pull the shaft out from inside the body cavity, right? Well, like there, there, there is a ligament that holds your, your penis in place right. and connects it to your pubic bone. And part of it goes up into the pubic bone, right? The, well, your penis goes all the way inside yeah, your body. that's what I'm saying. And they say if they cut this ligament, that they can get another, some extra length. You can pull like an inch out or something. Well, they, they claim that, but it's rarely that that much. Sometimes you can get, again, between one to three centimeters. And some people are happy with that increase in length. But here's the downside. That ligament is the thing that makes your penis stand out when you're erect. Mm. That's the thing that holds it up right. when you get an erection. So these men discover that once that ligament is severed, that they can still get an erection, but it's pointing down to the floor. <sighs> so it makes sex not only more difficult, but sometimes, in many cases, really, really uncomfortable. Oh man! So you've got a uh, you've got an erect penis, but it, it's just it's just dangling it's just there, separate from your body, not almost. doing much good for for anybody. Oh, God. So to answer your question, don't do it. No. Here's the the most successful penis enlargement therapy they have found. Say doctors, it's called counseling. They say when provided, counseling was effective with a majority of men coming to understand that their penis was normal. And they began to feel unwilling to undergo any further treatment. Once you change your, your attitude about your penis and about your self-esteem, it turns out all those problems go yeah. away. And there's other ways to make women come other than your penis. And that's next week here on <laughs> Ralph Sex University. And lastly, before I go, I do want to play that interview with my buddy Ben Glebe, who is running for President of the United States. Again, a disclaimer. If you are sick and tired of politics... If you are a, a right-leaning person, you may not want to listen to this as well because Ben's views tend to lean left, and I don't want to make you upset. However, if you think the conversation about whether regular Americans can participate in governing this country or not is important to you, I think you'll enjoy this conversation. Ben initially talks about uh, how his where his politics lie. 
but then also talks about his attempt to try to get into the conversation. What he has to do to try to get on stage alongside those other 23 Democratic candidates to voice his opinion is a little daunting. I got to tell you that much. And we can also talk about how you can help uh, Ben achieve his goal if you're so interested. So here it is. Runs about 20 minutes. I'll say goodbye to you now if you're going to tune out. But uh, for the rest of you, I think you're going to enjoy this conversation with me and candidate for the U.S. presidency, my buddy Ben Gleep. Well, this is a real pleasure because there's a guy that I wanted to have on my show for some time now because he's a funny, funny man. You know him from his amazing stand-up. You know him, of course, as the host of Idiot Test on Netflix. And yet now I got a brand new reason to talk to my buddy Ben Glebe. How are you, sir? I'm really good, Ralph. How are you? Good. Congratulations on your candidacy for the presidency of the United States of America. Thank you very much. Thank this, you very much. This, I must say, is a little bit of a surprise to me. I understand that. Coming from you. Although I've known you for a while now, and I know you've always been very politically savvy and mm -hmm. always very involved, and you're one of the most informed guys that I know, especially when it comes to politics. So I guess it's not that big a leap, but how did this happen? What do you I think? I think us self, self-hating comedians just don't expect it from our own ranks. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just couldn't sit by silently anymore and watch our country be eroded. All the great things I love about America be eroded by this orange monster that is, you know. And to me, it's not an issue even of Republican or Democrat. I'm running as a Democrat. And my values are more aligned there. And I'm trying to get on the debate stage for the Democratic nomination. But it's not about left or right. It's about this self-interested, greedy, treasonous, some bitch that only cares about himself, mm. will sell us down the river to Russia for a dollar, and is resurging and, and giving voice to white nationalists and Nazis again. I thought we settled that argument a while ago. You would think, yeah. But I guess not. And so... I just couldn't sit back anymore. And so then why me? The answer is I just kept thinking as I'm watching the news and watch this reign of terror of toupee fiasco take our country down. I kept thinking, I don't know if any of these Democrats are going to be able to stop him. Mm. Hillary couldn't stop him. Bernie couldn't stop him. I don't know if cautious career politicians have the skills to take down what Trump really is brilliant at is he's an amazing comedian in a way he's an amazing heckler he's an entertainer he's an amazing entertainer the guy knows exactly how to rile a crowd up how to trash talk how to cut people down and that's not what politicians have come up learning how to do right and that is exactly what i've come up learning how to do and so i just thought that we, we might need a comedian to beat this guy i've got some great progressive policies, a lot of the same or similar ones to all these candidates and some of my own very unique ideas, but none of it matters if we lose again. Right. And so I threw my hat into the ring to see if, if I can help save the country. That's so I think initially, and I know you announced at the improv that one of our beloved uh, comedy clubs here in Los Angeles, and I think initially a lot of people thought it was a joke. Right. I mean, like Pat Paulson ran in the 60s, you know, on the Smothers Brothers show. It's right. sort of just of like a gag. And the more I looked into it, the more I realized this isn't a joke for you. This is serious. Right? It's not at all a joke. Yeah, we announced in the video, but our kickoff event was at the Improv because I think that in this post-truth era, in this time of fake news, comedy clubs are actually our last bastion of truth. But <laughs> okay, to a return for people to keep it real. Yeah. You know, and people turn to their comedians these days for the news over their news anchors because they know the news anchors spin and lie 
and comedians tell you the truth and keep it real. So why wouldn't we consider the same for our leaders? Right. And a comedian, by the way, just won in the Ukraine. So yeah. there is now precedent for it. Um, precedent for precedent. Um, I think I said it wrong both times. Point is... <laughs> um, it's so happened before, is it what is, you're saying. It has. Yeah. And I... Uh, it's very real. You know, I've like you said, I've cared about politics a very long time. My podcast on Smodcast is called Last Week on Earth, and it's always about politics. And my mission with it has been to try to get people who never cared about politics because they felt like it was over their heads and they were talking down to them and it was not taking their ear into account. I wanted to make it funny and weird and down and dirty and gritty so that people realized politics actually like a, just like a reality show or just like an episode of Batman, but it's just a reality show or, or a drama with major real-life consequences. Yeah. It's the same flawed people you're watching on Real Housewives, but they've got bombs and guns and armies <laughs> and can decide our future. So it's fascinating. And if you look at it through that lens, you realize it's not some fancy, inaccessible thing. It's very flawed, normal people running the country who just decided one day to run for office, and then they lose touch with the common man because they become career politicians. And we've had enough of that. The separation of government and the governed has never been bigger, I think, in this country. Totally. It is. It seems like it's another breed of animal that is calling all the shots and running everything. And the rest of us are either victimized by bad decisions or just hopeful that somebody will fight the fight that we want to, to win over the rights and, and things that are important to us. And it does seem like the average American doesn't really get involved in the fray anymore. It's true. Even with Trump, a lot of people are getting involved with like hating on Trump, but then aren't like voting and aren't yeah. going out and making sure that they affect change. Even though I am inspired by the marches we've seen recently and things like that. But people are realizing that the time is now and the environment is crumbling and and we're reaching a point of no return that we have to step up strongly. But you're exactly right. Even though we have these people that espouse these great things in the Democratic Party, you got 23 other people aside from me running. Yeah. They seem passionate, but they've been in power and nothing's changed. Mm -hmm. So it's great that now they're running and they're again saying, I will change every single thing, but you've had your chance to affect change with all your buddies you've been there with for a long time. And I think when you're in politics for a long time or you're a multimillionaire, part of the rich elite, it's the only two categories we take seriously as candidates typically, you're just so far removed from the actual importance and urgency of our struggle, of regular people's struggle, that you don't try to change it with all the life force you got. You, you say you want to, you give speeches, you try to push legislation, but you don't fight till you pass out. Yeah. And we need that. We don't have time to be polite anymore. You know, Michelle Obama, who I admire so much, said always, when they go low, we go high. I think not in times like this, that loses elections. Mm -hmm. I say when they go low, that's a great chance to step on them. <laughs> They're down there already. And you got to get your idea out on top of that because you don't be polite when you're at a, in a fight for your life. And so that's what I'm trying to do is to try to bring an outside perspective, a different look. Comedians are real people because I spent my life traveling the country to comedy clubs and strip malls. Right. Excited to be given free chicken wings and then getting drunk with regular people after my shows. That's who you want as your leader, somebody who actually hangs with you, who actually knows real people and respects you, doesn't think on paper we need to fix these people, help these people, but I go back to my mansion. No, it's not, you know, nothing against mansions. Like, I have an okay house too. Your house is beautiful. The Gar Mansion, as I call it. <laughs> but you need to never lose the common touch. And you don't need four houses and you don't need three boats and you don't need to 
try to scoop more and more of the profits and not share it with anybody below you. And so I think it's what's sorely needed is something very, very different. Who it, knows how it would turn out, but I know the same thing. If we keep electing the same thing over and over again. That ain't going to be any different. That's the definition of insanity. Same thing over and over again, expecting different results. It does seem that the two class of people you mentioned that tend to be in power in, in government in the United States are career politicians and the super rich, and both of their concerns primarily are not about other people. The, the career politicians want to stay in office, so their main concern is re-election. Right. And the, the ultra-rich just want to get richer, which is beyond greed and avarice, really, when you look at the amount of money some of these people have, and they're still trying to grab more. Yeah. So I cool. think you have a point that it may not be, although they, they like to pit us against each other, right? They like to make it between the right and the left. Mm -hmm. So we're here fighting each other. Meanwhile, it's really about the rich and the people who are not so rich, whatever level that may be, whether it's middle class or poverty stricken or below the poverty line. That being said, allow me to play devil's advocate here. Sure. It's a tough job and there's you need to know a lot of stuff and you need to know the workings of politics to get things done. For people who say, how can I vote for a comedian? Does he have the skill set necessary? I mean, people are judging uh, Pete Buttigieg because he's just a mayor of a right. town. He doesn't have enough political experience to be a viable candidate. It's one of the knocks against him. What about people who say, well, there's a comedian who has even less? I deport those people. <laughs> They're gone. That that's or Guantanamo. I send them to Guantanamo start. or deport them. Excellent idea, sir. <laughs> um, that's a fair question. And my answer to that is, firstly, government is very large and the machine of the presidency is very large. Mm -hmm. You don't do it by yourself. Right. You surround yourself with You're going to get the best people. The best people. The best the people you can get. 26 of whom will be in jail within two years. <laughs> that's his definition of best people. I'll surround myself with the actual best people because I don't know criminals. And I don't associate with them. And so you get advisors who tell you exactly the best ways to push a certain piece of legislation through. Right. But Trump's problem is not his lack of experience. It's that he's an asshole and that he, at every turn, just cares about himself mm -hmm. and cares about his self-aggrandizement and his fame and his wealth. And that's all. He doesn't care about people. So I surround myself with the best people in the world. But also, I have experience running things affect the country, maybe in some way more than a local mayor. So aside from the fact that I've, you know, created and been at the helm of several TV shows that employ a hundred to two hundred people, which is no small organization. Trump's organization had twelve people working for it. Mm. Twelve. It was a branding organization mostly. Um but I in November did something that I think was somewhat impactful to help the country. That was a national event called the Telethon for America. I created it. I executive produced it. I was the head writer. I hosted it with Olivia Munn. And what it was, was an event. So we have this this endemic low voter turnout in this country. It's really bad. Yeah. And we don't even go the one day every two years to vote when we have to vote to help have to express our one voice in our democracy. And then you wonder why stuff keeps going worse. It's because we're not expressing our power. And so I wanted to help fix that. And it was such important midterms this past November. So I came up with an idea that reinvented the telethon. The first telethon in history with the goal of raising zero dollars. And we succeeded. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you so much. It was a proud moment for me. Instead of money, we took pledges from people to vote the next day in the midterms. And we also helped them f form voting squads 
to make sure that they got all their friends together to exponentially increase the reach of who was planning on voting. Partnered with Michelle Obama's When We All Vote. Partnered with Lorene Powell Jobs, XQ, Mark Echo's company as well. Made a bunch of partnerships. Did this whole, from inception to, to completion in seven weeks, three and a half weeks before it, we didn't have any funding. I closed a $325,000 budget funded by many different groups in three and a half weeks, found a location, made partnerships to, to stream it with companies that never worked together like Comedy Central and Funny or Die. Ellen Tube also carried it and BET and Glad. How often do they work together? And MTV and uh, Chelsea Handler and streaming it on individual celebrities pages like Chelsea and Megan Trainer and Judy Greer and all these different amazing people and got 95 major celebrities to come participate. In three and a half week time span, I created this event. All of a sudden, Charlize Theron, Natalie Portman, Jane Fonda, Justin Thoreau, Constance Wu, Aisha Tyler, Amy Schumer, Larry King, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Ray Romano are all on my telethon and just trying to encourage people to vote, inspire them, make them laugh, tell them about how to report voting irregularities. We had a lawyer there telling people how to call the voter protection hotline if someone tries to turn them away at the polls, all wrapped in a very funny two and a half hour show. And the next day, to whatever part we helped that, we had historic voter turnout in our country for these midterms, best since 1914 and best ever among young people. Mm -hmm. That's some change that I was able to help affect as a private citizen, not being a mayor of a small town, being some, somebody who's affecting change on a national level. And that's an example of what I could do in office and furthermore, I brought that show that was at a budget already at 325 that was a fraction of what shows like this would normally cost. Right. And brought it in under budget and didn't keep all the profits for myself, gave a lot of those profits to the people that worked hard on that show. And that's an example of what I would be like as a leader. So, yeah, I don't have tons of experience in running huge national projects, but neither did many of our presidents. Barack Obama didn't have a ton of experience running things when you're a senator and then and a state senator before that you never run a business of any kind right you vote and he was an amazing you person. vote on legislation you just vote on legislation yeah and so i've run things um and i've been a very passionate private citizen and we need somebody that actually is going to go in there and just say explain to me how that helps people my only barometer will be who gets what what idea helps the most the most people the biggest number of people that's what i will do so explain it to me break it down okay that sounds great and then you're going to put this why is that in there why aren't we going to do this to help more people? But this doesn't affect the core problem of getting more food on people's table, getting more money in people's pockets. Mm -hmm. Like right off the bat, I realized one of the big things I want to do is an earned income, an expansion of the earned income tax credit. We're calling the cost of living tax refund based on Robert Reich's idea. And just basically, if you're working a full-time job in this country, you need to be able to afford your life. And if you can't, we're going to give you a refund every month to put more money in your pocket so you can save, so you can pay your bills more easily, you can have money for emergencies, and just help close the income and wealth gap in this country that keeps widening and widening. Even Bernie Sanders now is a multimillionaire and has like four homes. Mm. We need somebody who, just like me, when my game show went away from new episodes, it's on Netflix now, you can watch it, but when it went away from new episodes about two years ago, for a minute I had a hard time paying my bills because it's so hard to save in this country. Sure. When I had a health scare two years ago, I had to get a different kind of insurance. I had to get another insurance from the HMO I was with. I had to pay out of pocket to get a better surgeon. And I know how to navigate. I've, I've dealt with navigating the healthcare system in this country as well. You want someone who lives the problems. 
Let's try that for a change. That's what I say. And if you disagree, you will be deported. <laughs> I'm inspired by your passion. Thanks. However, let me ask you, what is it like for the average private citizen? Not that you're average. I don't, I don't mean to put you down. No, I don't think average is an insult. Um, I think you're, you're a highly articulate, intelligent, informed, engaged person. That does sound better. And yet, how does that person get on a national stage to compete at the level with the ultra-rich and the career politicians? How, what's the process been like for you from deciding to do this to now trying to even compete, to even get on a debate stage, for example, and, and share these ideas with, with the mass audience. It's been very challenging because the system is so entrenched in its old ways. And I've realized how much the media plays a big role in that. It's not just the, that the government doesn't want outside voices. The media doesn't. Mm -hmm. Other than Trump, who has always been a ratings juggernaut for them. And they, he was an insider. He pretended to be an outsider, but he was part of their coverage for, many decades you're sure, being a tv star has a big allure when you're totally. running a news organization that's trying to make money too totally know? and hosting the apprentice is different than hosting a fringe cable tv network a <laughs> cable tv game show that got picked up by netflix with no money in my pocket not even a residual on that by the way so it's airing and you're not seeing that any of that correct not oh, a penny lovely but still watch it just because it's fun <laughs> entertaining show and so um so it's very hard because the news network networks are not like with rare exception like fox business had me on but kind of tried to like steamroll me and i turned the tables on them pretty good you can see it on my instagram at ben glebe uh, i just posted it today but um they generally cnn keeps saying mabel have you on no we're not i had one anchor at cnn tell me that my candidacy is off brand for them to and I, an american who wants to be president is off I, brand and i thought why also why does the news have a brand mm -hmm. aren't you supposed to be the news the news should just cover what happens. You shouldn't put your foot on the scale and decide who gets coverage or not. I'm the only candidate that has thousands of donations and is not being covered yeah. because I'm an outside voice and they know comedians call everybody out on their bullshit and I think they're afraid of it. It's a self-perpetuating loop of these net news networks having on just the super rich and career politicians. They get them in office. They come back on their news networks. They give them more ratings. They go in a safe never-ending loop feeding themselves it's really the human centipede and it's disgusting yeah news casts its broadcast just like uh the dramas or comedies on on the network you know they do whatever will get the most eyes on there to sell the most products in their commercials right. and so that is why i luckily have an inroad this time because the democratic national committee was accused of stepping on the scale to help hillary get in there and to hurt bernie in 2016 mm-hmm um, they don't want that appearance this time. So they have said that it's just 65,000 individual donations for some have actually had a, a stated threshold. You just need 65,000 different people to donate even $1. And the first 20 that get to that threshold or pull at 1%. But I'm not in the polls again because they're not putting my name in there. Right. So if I get just 65,000 individual donations at Glebe2020.com, I'm on that debate stage. There's only one spot left and there's six days left to qualify. And we already have thousands, like I said, but we have a long way to go. So we need, if you like at all what I'm saying and believe in this idea, I'm not even asking for an endorsement at this point. It's a year and a half till the election. Right. No one should know who they're voting for yet. I'm on the fence. I'm considering Pete. Seems like a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you think my voice should be in there and we should open it up to have a regular dude and a comedian's perspective at that in this, in this race to call all the politicians out on their crap 
and to call Trump out on his crap, then please just go to my website. You can do it on your phone right now while you're listening or on your laptop, Glebe2020.com, G-L-E-I-B, 2020.com, and donate $1 or whatever you can afford because it costs a lot of money to run these things and yeah. to run these ads, but it counts for just $1. And please, if you do it, then try to get five or 10 friends to do it. Say, let's get a regular guy up there. Let's get this funny guy I heard on Ralph Garman's show in the presidential debates. That would mean the world, and it would see indeed. We're calling it the democracy challenge because it's a real cheap $1 way to test whether or not our democracy is still real. Is it still a government by the people, or is that bullshit? Mm -hmm. And they're just telling us anybody can get up there, but you really have to be a career politician or a super rich dude. It kind of rubs me the wrong way that they're demanding an American has to raise X number of dollars to participate in our democracy. Right. I guess. I mean, I understand. I guess they need to have some threshold because they can't right. have thousands of people right. just declaring their candidacy. And that's why I actually don't mind it because they didn't say dollars; they said people. Yeah, but the, but like. those people have to make donations, right? Right. But one dollar, I think, is a f pretty fair I barrier think so to too. entry. Yes. One dollar is not the big money influence in politics we've always had. But the question is just: is it real or not? If we get sixty-five thousand, they're going to say, "Oh, but you're a comedian; we don't want you in there." Mm -hmm. And then if that happens, we're going to rise up. So we'll see. Um, but we, if we don't hit 65,000, we're not going to have the chance to run the experiment properly anyway. What's your timeline? What's your deadline on raising the, getting 65,000 people to say, yes, I'm interested in hearing him on the stage. June 11th. June 11th. That's right around the corner. Right around the corner. Now I feel bad. I should have had you on earlier. I know. <laughs> if we, um, if we don't make it, we have one more shot. Four weeks later is the cutoff for the CNN debates. This is the first ones are on NBC the CNN debates, and then it's just 70,000, so it's just 5,000 more people. But by then, there's a better chance there'll be another candidate that also gets that last spot, and then it goes to polling criteria and donations. So really, this is our, our really most likely shot to get in there is right now. Well, if you're listening to this, and here's the truth. I have listeners on both sides of the debate. Sure. And sometimes I hear from my listeners who lean right, and they think maybe... You know, and I don't do a lot of politics on this show, but sometimes I'll let my feelings be known about something Trump may have done or how my personal feelings go when it comes to politics. And I get some pushback from that. And I can understand that because anytime people hear something that clashes with their own set of ideals or standards or, or values, it can be it can be a little bristling. I can see why people get upset. But I think we can't be afraid of the conversation. Mm. And. If you're listening to this and whether you agree with what Ben says or not, I think all of us are better off to have a guy like him on the stage representing an average American who has ideas, period. And if you believe that there's an American institution that is at risk, I think you have to defend the, the, the citizens' right to, to rise up and join the ranks of the people who are calling the shots. So what I would ask you to do personally for me is go to Glebe2020.com. That's G-L-E-I-B-2020.com and just donate a buck and let's get 65,000 people to say, yes, I'm interested in hearing what someone has to say alongside these other people as well. Thank you so much for for saying that. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that's all we're asking. Not asking for your vote yet. I'm asking for your ear. Ben, and, and and your $1. And your $1. I can't tell you. Um, 
well, initially, I got to say, when I first heard, I said, this is a genius bit of marketing for his <laughs> his comedy career. He's just trying to get himself out there. And now I've just been so impressed and inspired by what you're doing, man. I'm really uh, pulling for you. And I hope I hope to hear more from you. Ralph, thank you so much for having me here in the Gar Mansion. And um, <laughs> I'd like to introduce you to a little show called Batman. I've I, heard about it. Dude, it's really great. It's a great classic tale of good versus know. evil. It doesn't seem like it's for me. Okay. All right. Never mind. I'll, I'll, I'll bring my Batman suitcase to other places and <laughs> see if they're interested in this merchandise. Ben, best of luck, sir. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for having me. Uh, you're one of my favorites, man. You're such a good dude. So it's really cool to be able to come here and do your show. Again, if you want to help Ben get on that stage, I look, I'm not even sure I would vote for him for president. But I sure would like to see him in the conversation. No, I think it needs to be in the conversation. That 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 perspective needs to be in the conversation. I would like to see him in the debate. Yeah, exactly. And if you want to get him on that debate stage again, you can go to Glebe2020.com. That's G-L-E-I-B-2020.com. He needs 65,000 separate donations in order to make him a viable candidate in the eyes of of the Democratic Party and the people who are putting on these debates. So you, so, need, you need money. He needs money. <laughs> he needs so, money. And it's so tragic that that's, he needs money to even get his voice heard as a legitimate candidate. Yeah, that's, that's the country we live in. So uh, it's just cost a buck. You can, you, can, um, you can just send him a buck. And if 65,000 people do that, then it's really it's not even about the money. It's about allowing him a place on that stage when they had the first debate on NBC. And it's only till uh, he needs, he needs 65,000 by June 11th. So if you're interested... You should probably do that now. All right, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for joining me. I truly appreciate it. Tomorrow we will be back here yet again on a Friday. Because it's Friday, we're going to take a look at all the new movies in theaters this weekend. And we might play a little game with Eddie Pence, Ooh. see if somebody wants to win some fabulous cash and prizes. And I think we're going to debut our new segment, Ooh, so close. Oh, we got some. Yeah, we got got some some people people responding to uh, (laughs) moments that almost happen in their lives that are worth talking about. It's going to be a fun one tomorrow. Come on back, won't you? Love you. Mean it. Bye.